Welcome to the Questionably Qualified Podcast. I'm John Truxus, and I'm here with Chris Wiemet today. Wiemet, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, John? Doing pretty well. It's been a while since we, we put a podcast up, and partly just because Game of Thrones hasn't come back into our lives and won't until next it's, year. Yeah, maybe ever. Maybe ever. We'll yep, see. It's possible. But we have some big news to share today, and so um, we wanted to start out by uh, just sort of, you know, I think it's important to do a quick recap of where we stand with Questionably Qualified as a website. And we're not far off from our two-year anniversary today. Uh, yeah, our two-year anniversary is about... About 24 days ago, as of recording, uh, our anniversary is on April 1st, which is um, completely fitting for Questionably Qualified. Yes, and I think mildly mildly intended. It's mildly intended, yeah. No, when I drew up the uh, incorporation documents, it was like March 27th or something. I'm like, I'm going to just delay this a few days. Yeah, it fits uh, too well to, to yeah. avoid that. So. Didn't want to miss that opportunity there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, we're uh, a little over two years, and there's a lot going on. Yeah, I would say so. So let's um, let's quickly run back through the history. You know, we, we started out a couple of years ago. We had a, a glut of free time on my hands as found myself unexpectedly unemployed, and you had recently moved down to Austin. Mm-hmm. So obviously we used our time to perhaps indulge in a couple of adult beverages and brainstorm ideas. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> Allegedly. And since then, uh, things have taken a very strange path to get to where they are today. Very windy path. Yes, absolutely. So our first content stream was Bachelor Recaps, which as far as I can tell, just sort of started as an idea because I had been watching The Bachelor and had had entertaining recaps sent to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought these are a lot of the same thoughts that I have about the show, except perhaps even more of them. So decided to start that as a content stream. Watched an entire season of The Bachelor over the course of three days and wrote recaps for them, which was a terrible idea. <laughs> but again, had a lot of free time on my hands. So yeah, you well, know. well, but what I, I was really entertained at first when we started this, cause you know, we start off and I have no idea what any of this is going to look like, but y- you had kind of just a regular dude's take on the bachelor, which weirdly enough, I wasn't that common on the internet. It was just kind of, it was kind of an interesting take, even though it was so like, you know, sim- like such a simple concept, but like you really executed it well. Then, you know, from that content, we eventually actually had some pretty interesting successes, we'll call it, when through some series of mishaps, we ended up getting, you know, the number one ranking on Google for Bachelor in Paradise drinking game. Right. And then from there, we were like, oh God, like we might actually be able to pull this off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a, a surprise source of traffic, one that we just sort of put together since if all the contestants are going to be drinking all day, then I feel like the people watching them should be drinking all day right. as well. Um, and the rules might have been a bit aggressive for that game, but that's, you know, we have a disclaimer on all of our drinking games. It we says do. you're supposed to play at your own pace. You know, yeah. if you have to work the next day, maybe play a drink as a, as a sip. If you don't, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe uh, maybe have a big gulp every yeah. time that you get a drink. We're all about responsibility at Questionably Qualified. And, and in fact, we were... So transparent with our design process that you actually wrote analytic articles on just the number of drinks taken per episodes and rule modifications just to save people's livers. And Absolutely. That was also another thing that was fairly popular, especially on the, the Bachelor subreddit. Right. Uh, people were, you were dubbed the drinking game guy for a little <laughs> while. Yes. Yeah, it's important, you know, when you have uh, a small audience that you're trying to grow that you don't accidentally kill them off along the way. That is generally. Yeah, word of mouth doesn't spread well with dead people. No. So we, we went from that. I think our first big pop that we, we experienced was also kind of an accident. Yes. As we were preparing for a Super Bowl party here in Austin, 
my girlfriend reached out to me and said, hey, you should put a Super Bowl drinking game up since the Super Bowl is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, why not? And put together a quick set of rules. Yeah, we already had an NFL, you know, NFL drinking game. So we were thinking, ah, we probably don't even need a Super Bowl. But you're like, whatever. You threw it together. Yep. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll throw this on Reddit, you know, da, 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 and then, you know, wake up in the morning and look at my phone and see oh, there's 25 people on the website right now. <laughs> I go, well, that's really weird. That never happens. <laughs> right. And of course, I assume that there must have been some kind of mistake. And yes. when you told me, I was like, ah, sure. At first, I'm like, oh, it must be like occasionally you'll see bots will come crawling through your website. Basically, it'll spike for a second and then they'll go away. I'm like, oh, it's got to be that. And then it went up to 30, then 35 and so on and so on (laughs) until eventually at one point we had like 280 people concurrently on the website. And I go, what on earth is going on here? Right. And still still unsure as to how we got cataloged at a place where that many people were coming across our drinking game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, not going to complain. Nope, not going to complain at all. And. Since then, we've had quite a bit of success in the drinking game space. I guess we're now considered somewhat of an authority on it, right. which is strange. But um, <laughs> It certainly is. I mean, again, I'm not going to argue with Google. They tend to be pretty smart. So mm-hmm. I'm going to just take the compliment and walk away. Absolutely. And then before, I think a little bit before we got into the podcasting bit of things, we had started putting together the Dungeons & Dragons material that we've been working on. We did. And that also was a bit of a slow-going process. It started off, basically, I've been running a a D&D campaign here in Austin. And I just wanted to, like, I started taking notes on it and eventually got the idea of, hey, I'm just going to, like, write a, a, a journal on it. Like, you know, there's campaign journals online aren't a new idea. Uh, I just wanted to do mine. And then slowly grew that one out and kind of gave it the same treatment that you gave the drinking games where, you know, every so often you take a break and do pause and, and analyze what's going on, that type of thing. And I think it was pretty nice for the players as well. It gives them sort of a reference to go back to when mm-hmm. it comes to, you know, what, what exactly did we do last session again, you know? And that was kind of my thought process is I'm like, if, even if this doesn't really become a thing, like it, it will be cool to look back on five, ten years from now and be able to kind of go through the whole story in kind of like a, you know, a, a long form form. But that's somewhat started to pick up as well. And then from there, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I've got a whole bunch of my own, like D&D, a really common thing to do is you kind of make up your own rules. So say it's called homebrewing rules. And I did that as well. And kind of in the same vein as the camp- campaign journal went and just kind of cataloged them out, detailed them out more for the players than anything. But once again, the, the Google bots came through, picked it up, and all of a sudden other people started reading it. And I started, and it just kind of, it's been just kind of a crazy, evolution as we find out that actually if you just keep writing stuff and then keep sharing it and keep doing all that it will get picked up by other people especially when you respond to quality feedback as well which is part of it yeah no i went and i would post it the unearth arcana subreddit uh is like a homebrewing subreddit on reddit that basically their goal there is to help people come up with their own homebrew rules so you would go post it there people would respond and i would go tweak it and do all that and it, one, improved the homebrew, but mm-hmm. two, got people involved. A lot of people read it, got in front of a lot of eyeballs that way. Yeah, yeah, certainly not responding to all of the feedback. Some no. of the feedback is not not worth responding no. to. No, not at all. <laughs> but some of it some of it is very worth responding to, and uh, and then that response is appreciated by the people who provided it. Yeah, so there's actually some sort of some sort of reaction to it. Yeah. So we went from that. We had the podcast going for politics a little bit during the mm-hmm. the Clinton Trump election, mm-hmm. um, mostly because 
I hadn't paid any attention to politics prior to that, and it seemed like an interesting way to way to start discussing it. Yeah. Quickly learned that podcasts are not as as simple as as recording a conversation. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, of audio editing that goes into it, which we didn't really have any software for, so we've been using the free download of Audacity this entire time. And it turns out that you know we are not perfectly eloquent human beings at all times. No. Especially when they're again, allegedly as an adult beverage in the mix. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> so so it's definitely taken a little bit of that uh, to, to get used to the podcasting and get a little more efficient with it, since if you're editing and you listen to an hour-long podcast to cut it back together afterwards, you're probably talking about an hour to record, plus the prep time, plus the post time, and then... Yeah, at what, least an hour to re- listen to it. <laughs> what what you would assume was like, oh, this is a forty five minute process becomes four and a half hours. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a little eye opening there as well. Absolutely. But I think I think the the part of it that really made it worth it was seeing how easily we were able to then set up a SoundCloud account and the direct post right to the podcast app. It's pretty neat when you have the uh, the homemade logo popping up on your own podcast app in the morning. And right. Like, oh yeah, look at that! Yeah. It just posted right to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And it's just like in just the whole process of setting up the website infrastructure, you think you know making a blog, making a podcast, all these things are really just simple processes, and to do it well, to do it right, it really isn't. There's a lot that goes into it. And like I said, like. One hour of writing or recording can become three hours of support work around that minimum. And yeah. it's, it's a lot more, let's, I'll be honest, this all has taken a lot more time out of my day than I expected. Right. To. Right. And that's not even including the, the customization time in terms of the website layout. Oh, yeah. Um, which, you know, even before we had ads, there's a lot of work to be done to have it fit content in a way that is both visually appealing. And flexible enough to cover the whole spectrum of content that you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's like, you know, I'm a developer by trade, but it's more of when you're a developer, it's more like they hand, someone hands you a feature they want and you implement the feature. With this, I have to become a designer and a developer and basically bring in feedback from everybody. And it, it gets, it's a lot more intimidating to do it. It's fun, but intimidating to do that type of work. Because it's just like, it's all resting on your shoulders to get it implemented correctly in just a variety of formats. And again, you go, you look at this and you go, ah, just throw this together and it'll be quick. And then you realize it all just takes up way more time than you expect it to. Right. And I think that at least with the QQ website, we're feeling pretty confident in the way that the layout is working now. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. And a big part. Uh, you know, that, that plays a big part in the introduction now of our new spinoff website. Yeah. So QQ, uh, as I discussed earlier, has a whole host of, should I say, had a whole host of D&D content on it. Over the probably about, I want to say eight months ago, I kind of came up to John and said, hey, what, what do you think about a rebrand? And we kind of went back and forward. And my concern was that while Questionably Qualified absolutely described us as individuals, <laughs> it um, it didn't really describe the content all that well. And we kind of went back and forth for a little bit. And uh, over time, we eventually came up with, you know, a couple different names. You know, try one name, you know, don't like it, put it away. And eventually we came up with a, a name called Grow Up and Game. And I just kind of fell in love with it. And... I had a hard time, like, we didn't think it was right for a full rebrand for Questionably Qualified, but I just couldn't get the idea of it out of my head. I was starting to think of all 
these various types of uh, articles I wanted to write around it, and just like a whole content series of content streams that I was really excited to try and produce. So we kind of we talked for a bit, and we decided, you know what? Rather than just do a full rebrand, why don't we do an offshoot, and we'll keep you know questionably qualified more or less the same as it's been, and then grow up and game can be kind of the more game centric playground that where I can test out new ideas there and just really, really hammer the gaming concept home where I can really just kind of go and take a deep dive into various gaming topics. Right. And I think, I think similar to how the questionably qualified name fits some of our content better than others, the grow up in game gaming is probably the avenue that we are least questionably qualified to discuss true in terms of our time investment very true <laughs> in in activities yes. that's probably the one that we are the best best off discussing yeah um so yeah it, it's the least fit in in questionably qualified just like the content that's remaining unquestionably qualified is the least fit for the grow up and game brand. right so no, it just became kind of a natural evolution and it you know and now it's i've since moved all of the content over i have actually kind of once that all happened, hit the ground running uh, as far as producing new content. So I've been, I've already written another campaign journal chapter. I've got a whole new set of homebrew rules uh, and a kind of a pretty huge uh, homebrew coming up pretty soon that I'm excited for. Don't want to share it now, but uh, there's a, there's a big one coming up soon. And then also released a an all new gaming section called Gateway Games. And kind of the story behind that one is. I've got my girlfriend now fiance uh, Misha, who not who's not the biggest gamer, or at least she wasn't. But since she's you know marrying me, is inevitable that I was going to at least try right to get her into gaming. Yeah, and so a cause I, that most assume is lost from the beginning. Yes, yes, but me being me, I am stubborn as a mule. So <laughs> I went and kind of came up with, for lack of a better term a personal training plan of games for her to try. And John and I discussed this. What games do we think could really bring a new gamer into the fold? And we kind of broke it down. And I had a few false starts where I probably bit off more than I could chew with her, but eventually landed on Telltale's The Walking Dead. And that was that ended up being just an absolutely phenomenal gateway game. Uh, it's basically a narrative story of like the Walking Dead universe with really light gameplay mechanics, but a really, really, really good story. And she ate it up. I remember I knew I had won the first battle when we were in San Diego visiting her family. And later on at night, I'm going and talking, you know, with her dad, and I know she's gone. So uh, I'm like, okay, well, I finished my conversation. I go upstairs and I see her upstairs in her childhood room on her computer playing The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, and and my, I, of course, laugh, but in my head, I am just like, fireworks are going off. I'm just cheering. <laughs> I'm just like, I might actually be able to pull this off. Never mind writing articles about it. I'm just excited that I'm like, okay, <laughs> at least now when I'm, you know, obsessing over a game, she kind of gets it. Like, that was enough for me. But since then, like, it's kind of taken off. There's a whole bunch of games that we've been playing through lately that, that I will be detailing in the Skateway Games series. Yeah, and uh, and we'll definitely get into it more, both in those articles and in the podcast. I'm a, I'm a little curious, just in terms of, you know, d d how we came to the decisions of what games are good as a Gateway game. 
for instance, it's not a good idea to give someone who's never played a video game before an Xbox controller and say, let's play some Halo. They're not going to have a very good time. It does not work. Yeah. And it's definitely not good, I would say, to play a one versus one game. Uh, you know, kind of like the old Chappelle show skit where he's playing the kid in games. And, <laughs> just pick up your sticks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think, I think that, you know, we, we did discuss a bit about what, what makes a good game for that. And just, I'm curious because the, the ones that come to mind for me, for one, I think, I think in general, if people aren't familiar with playing video games, especially console games, just picking up the controller is an intimidating starting mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And you guys have been playing on PC, correct? We have been, but uh, I've got adapters for controllers. So actually, The Walking Dead, it started off with her playing on a controller. Oh, okay. Uh, so that was, and to your point, that was exactly what the goal of the game was. Uh, and I actually got in a little bit of a discussion. Let's call it a debate. It wasn't, we didn't get too nasty on Reddit with some people when I shared the, my Gateway Games article on The Walking Dead. People were saying, like, oh, The Walking Dead's barely a game. Like, you shouldn't be trying to, if you're trying to get someone into gaming, you shouldn't play something that is so simplistic. But, you know, fortunately, Reddit it has a yin and a yang, and other people <laughs> came in and said, you know, clearly you haven't tried to introduce someone that's never picked up a controller to a video game because, like, it's even just... You like using the menu on the Xbox Absolutely. is a confusing thing to do. To yes, off. yes, and it's it's extremely confusing if you take yourself out of the mindset of someone who's played video games. When, for instance, Cat will be using it to try to navigate to the app that she wants to use. She's gotten very good at it over time, but you know she says, "Well, why is it that button that does that?" And I think to myself, "Well, because that's the back button in every game that I play." Okay, well, if you haven't ever played a game before, then the person is right. wondering, why is the button on the right side the one that goes back, I, as opposed to any of the other buttons that you've put on this controller? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, even something that's as simple as the, the A button is going to be your advance button. Hit mm-hmm. A, and that will be the OK button for these things, is, sure, it's, it's instantaneous for us, but when you're just picking it up for the first time, there's no reason it's that one versus another one. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a very involved process getting someone into gaming, and, and fortunately... Uh, Amisha's really just like she's gotten to the point where now she's playing real. Uh, we'll call them real games. Yeah, like, absolutely. The, the the angry people on Reddit would consider these real games, right? And <laughs> and on that, she does them pretty well. Yeah. Uh, the the article one I can uh, share. The second one will be on a game called Overcooked, which is kind of a, a cooperative cooking simulator, but that doesn't really even get do the description justice. Right. It's just one of the most absurd games I've ever seen. Where basically you're like cooking meals in a volcano, for example, and you have to like work together to do it and not get shot by fireballs would be an example of a level. And the game's pretty hard. Like it's definitely not an easy game to beat. And we beat the whole thing together. And it's not a game where one person can carry the other person. Mm -hmm. Uh, You both need to be good at the game to finish it. And she did. And we did. And it's, she has absolutely advanced. And yet again, another controller game. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So, so yeah, I think um, it's, it's going to be very fun watching the progression of that, and also uh, you know reading the the recaps of it. And I'm sure that we'll we'll touch a little bit on some of the games that did not have instant yes. success with, yeah. with, with not not quick adoptions to certain ones. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm growing my list of um, what we call them stumbles along the way, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure yeah we'll bring them up if not this episode and uh, future episodes as the gateway game series progresses. Yep, absolutely. So, so yeah, I think, you know, just as a quick roundup of it on, on the grow up in game website, 
You'll have the the gateway gaming articles, the D and D content. Mm-hmm. We'll both be I'll, I'll be contributing some some video game content now and then, as I still do very much love gaming when when I have a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And what else is on there? Mostly D and D and gateway games. I've got a couple other content streams in mind. They're kind of in the development phase, so I'm not gonna not gonna talk about them yet. But um, I've got I've got grand plans for Grow Up and Game, so there'll be more on that in future podcast episodes. Yep, and and unquestionably qualified, you'll still be able to find your sports betting, particularly the NFL, your TV show recaps, usually the worse the better, and Game of Thrones, of course, both the the TV show recaps, and we'll be doing some more deep deep digging on the books and some of the mythology that goes on behind it. Mm-hmm. All right, so so now that we've sort of uh, you know described which which sites you can go to for which content and how grow up in game and question qualified will will continue, you know, marching along. You know, now we can sort of introduce the the, the podcast that the two of us will be doing here, which will, you know, the one you're listening the, to right now. Exactly, the questionably qualified podcast with with the two of us. And I think we're we're aiming to do it maybe monthly or so at the time, though you know we'll see depending on engagement planning permitting, <laughs> right? Engagement planning permitting, and then certainly when there are notable events, we might do an extra an extra episode yeah. now and then. But we're gonna use it to sort of do what we've already done here, which is highlight some of the projects that we're working on for the sites, introduce new content, things like that. But we'll also use it to. Just sort of discuss anything that's popped up that's maybe relevant to the stuff we're doing, particularly interesting to either of us, and just, you know, interested to discuss and see mm-hmm. what other people have to say about it after we finish, and, you know, some of the stuff that we, we enjoy. So I think we'll start with the segment that we're calling Untangling the Web, and there was a, a very opportune article posted this week on The Ringer, which is my, my favorite website to uh, spend time on. And it's about their their assertion that 1998 is the best year for video games of all time. And then they, they sort of dig in from there onto each of the games. They have side articles for each of the games. But, you know, at first when I read it, I was thinking, this is just like any of the articles on ESPN or any of those that rank the, the best. Right. Whatever. Or in your Facebook feed that's ranking the best donut brunch that you have in your, right, in your neighborhood, right. you know. But as soon as I saw the the list of games that were included in 1998, I started going like, you have to take a step back for a second. Wow, maybe maybe they're right about this, and maybe it's not that uh, that much of an argument. Yeah, and, I, and I'll post the more we'll be posting the list of games in the SoundCloud description below. But like, I'm just gonna kind of list a couple of guys off here. Like, you've got Panzer Dragoon, you've got Starcraft, you got Banjo Kazooie, you got Pokemon. Metal Gear Solid, Half-Life, Dance Dance Revolution, Zelda Ocarina of Time. These are all timeless, like, innovative. Like, every one of those games did something unique in their genre that more or less every game in the genre now is pretty much aping it at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're going, and if, if they're not, you know, basically copying it, they're borrowing heavily. Right. And and after reading the, the sort of long-form article they did on StarCraft, uh, you know, you see just... The impact that that game had on RTS strategy, it 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 also it makes a lot of sense that the game lasted as long as it did, because I don't think StarCraft II came out for what quite a long almost like fifteen years, yeah, yeah decades, fifteen it's years, years, yeah, and people were still playing it. Yeah, and in StarCraft also, and this might not be known to a lot of the listeners here. I mean, you've probably heard about esports, and that's kind of been like a growing thing. But before, like, all of the various esports where now you look on ESPN3 and, like, they'll be showing the WoW Arena Championships or whatever. The before, Ocho. But, like, that's kind of like a minor thing here. 
Starcraft in South Korea, even in the early years, was massive. It was basically like professional sports and still is. Mm -hmm. It's even bigger now. And so Starcraft, I mean, besides being just like the quintessential example of a perfectly balanced strategy game, it was also essentially the birth of esports. And it's the Ringer article that just goes in depth onto kind of the series of events that had to take place for that to happen. But it's just, it's a really fascinating look back on one, just kind of the evolution of technology at the time, because a big part of it was, say, broadband internet and its widespread adoption and how Korea picked it up early. Yeah, the government of South Korea had a, a large initiative to ex- expand and spread very high speed internet mm-hmm. throughout the entire country. And that's something that, you know, we still don't have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, in a much larger here. country, that's, that's hard to do, but. But it, it's created a unique system mm-hmm. that was in place right around the same time that StarCraft became available. Yeah, and, and just then from there, it, it, it's basically the national sport of South Korea, practically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and since then, it's expanded into all types of other games, you know, Dota, League of Legends, uh, Counter-Strike. But, like, StarCraft, I mean, it really was the first. Yes. Yeah, and it was, it was a long way ahead of the other RTS games that had come out at that point. The article did a really, really good job, I thought, describing how uh, up to that point, you know, you looked at the Warcraft game and you had virtually the same classes of units on each side. They were simply a, a makeover yeah. on what the what the animation was, but they were doing the same things. Yeah, they I didn't have specialized skills so much. I think Warcraft 2, the difference between or- the Horde and the Alliance was Paladins versus Death Knights and, like, Wizards versus whatever the... I can't remember what the yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> caster for the Horde was in Warcraft 2, but like that was really it. And other than that, grunts and footmen, same friggin' thing. Mm-hmm. Archers and axe throwers, same friggin' thing. Right. Uh, and it's StarCraft was just a huge departure from that, and they had to basically redo it. There's the whole E3 incident that happened. Yes. Yeah, which is fascinating. They had a they had a, a competing RTS uh, game sort of debuted or, or provided some some content at E3 and said that it was footage of actual gameplay. And it looked beautiful, and it looked way ahead of where StarCraft mm-hmm. was at the time. And so they had to face you know, the, the choice of, do we continue with this and put it out, knowing that it's not going to compete with that at all? This crazy game is coming out, that, and we're going to make fools out of ourselves? Or do we start from scratch, essentially, and rebuild this thing in a, in a much better way? They, they opted for the latter, and not... Too long after that, between then and when StarCraft was finally completed, it was revealed that that was actually stage footage, that mm-hmm. it was not from gameplay because the company couldn't get it to work that well. <laughs> Which is a, an important reminder every year that don't believe anything you see at a trade show. Yes. Just, just don't. It, it just, it's never true. I, I mean, <laughs> I remember when it happened with, with Watch Dogs. I'm like, wow, that looks incredible. This is, this is going to be the best game ever made. And it turns out that they were running it on this like this demo cut that was like loosely in the game on a super overpowered PC, <laughs> incredibly overpowered PC, and so it's like okay, this is not at all what it looks like on Xbox 360. Right. Uh, right. And that was a surprise to some people, and it shouldn't be at this point. How many times do we have to get fooled to realize <laughs> that if you see it at a trade show, it's probably bullshit? Right. And that actually that, that reminds me of something I was discussing with a uh, a coworker today. Which is uh, one of the the larger changes, I think, at least in my my game playing and purchasing habits, 
is that I almost never buy a game upon release anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always wait for at least one review. And uh, I don't know if you have a, a, a landmark moment for you. I know that mine was... I'm not going to remember what came after the colon, but it was the second Dragon Age game. Okay. Uh, which I had really enjoyed Dragon Age Origins. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly, it was just sort of a game that I picked up because it looked kind of interesting. Right. And really enjoyed it, and then bought the second one on the release day. And I think it took me about 15 to 20 minutes to decide that it was not very good and that I had just yes. spent $60 on a... <laughs> a game that was, in fact, not at all like the first Dragon Age game. Right. And not in a good way. Exactly. So did, did you have any sort of, like, one game that you can remember buying and just being like, wow, that was, that was a bad decision. Was a bad investment after an hour? <laughs> I mean, the big thing, my big rule, is not necessarily about the review side of things, because I'm... I'm trying to remember if there's any games I got particularly badly burned by. Mm-hmm. But, like, what I've learned is you really need to, like, wait a few days, at least in the modern era, to buy a game because almost guaranteed, especially if it's, like, an ambitious online game, it's going to crash and burn the first couple days. Like Diablo 3, for example. Sure. You go and, like, we were so pumped. We're on, what was it, TeamSpeak? I and think we're, so, yeah. we're just like, oh my god, this is going to be the best thing ever. And then, you know, we're get can't log in. Right. And we're like, well, first of all, why the hell do we have to log in? <laughs> but second of all, why can't, like, we can't even play single player. Like, we can't even just, like, try the game. Right. And it's just, and, and other games that did that, like, Fallout New Vegas was just a buggy disaster when it came out. Uh, again, these both ended up being great games. Mm-hmm. But, like, you need to give them a little breathing room, or at least walk in with the expectation that a good portion of your evening is going to either be spent configuring it, or, especially with PC games, um, New Vegas was Xbox, and but that was just a buggy mess before they patched it. Right. And I actually got to the point where I lost save files because it was so buggy, <laughs> and that was not great. So it's a great feeling, yeah. Yeah. But, like, Diablo 3, that was kind of my big, like, okay, no matter how excited I get about a game, I need to, like, wait. So yeah, pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> let's, let's see this out. It'll be there t- in two days. Right. And I don't need to, so I won't waste my entire evening doing nothing. And, you know, and in the nature of one of my favorite games, Halo, maybe find out if they allow same same house co-op before you, uh, yeah. before you, <laughs> you play a night around it. That, that, that was a bit of a, a ball buster. <laughs> so, John and I here, we're going to try and leave, relive our glory days. It's like, you know, like the first couple of years I was in Austin, I was on the road a lot, and uh, we didn't have a lot of opportunities to actually get in the same spot. So when we actually carved out a weekend to play the new Halo game, Couch Co-op. We were excited. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had we had grand plans for this evening. And we get there, and apparently there's a, a new growing trend in console gaming where they don't believe in letting two people in the same room play the same game. <laughs> there was this Halo 5. Halo 5, Halo yeah. 5 is single-player only. You ha- I, ha- I would have to, one, purchase an Xbox <laughs> and then bring it to John's and my TV if we wanted to play it together. Right. That was one of, I think that's the most disappointed I've been in a Halo game ever. That was a major bummer. Right? They're, yeah. they're not doing much to help the, the gamer as the person sitting by themselves and only interacting with humans through a headset stereotype right. very much at all by, yeah. by making these sort of moves. They're kind of committing to it at this point, which is <laughs> not ideal. And, uh, and, you know, just for, for, for full transparency, you did not end up buying an Xbox. Because I did not. Of that no. issue. I went and I was, I drank a stiff cocktail and said, you know what? I'll, we'll just trade off, I yep. guess. <laughs> just, just go one for one. And, That's fine. and we still had a wonderful evening, but it just wasn't the same. 
We did, however, recently start playing Halo 1, and that is just as good as I remember it. It certainly is. It certainly is. And the, and the remaster allowing you to flip back and forth between the, the updated graphics and the old graphics mm-hmm. is pretty fantastic. Yeah, not, not exactly a new game, but uh, again, it's been a, been a while since we played it, and I was happy to see that um, all the bugs are also still in place, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which so, is great. That was good. Being yes. able to scale down the wall of Assault in the Control Room and skip the entire level. That was I was, I was happy to see that they didn't patch that one out. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, that game holds up very well. So taking it back Back to the, the games of 1998, are there any of these games that you look at and you know for a fact they don't hold up well? Not off the top of my head. I, you know, I, my first target for any any of these sort of thought exercises is any FPS that operated on Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. because I will never. I, I don't understand how we even taught ourselves to use a single joystick for FPS action, but it was not ideal. Yeah, like playing Goldeneye. We, you know, we've done that. You do it over the years, and every time I pick it up, I get really excited, and then remember why I don't pick it up other than when we're, like, having people over and partying. Yeah. Because you go, and you have all these wonderful thoughts of how fun it's going to be, and you go, actually, this game kind of handles like shit. I cannot figure out how to move my person around like, in the way I that I would like to. I can't move and shoot at the same time, or move <laughs> and aim at the same time. <laughs> well, like, I know why we played it, because it's all we had. Sure. But uh, the, the dual analog design choice was a really good one. Uh, you know, I'm happy it happened when it did, but turns out some of those little games are no good. Those would be fun to kind of remake with a dual analog, though. I'd be curious to see yeah. maybe if they improved. Right. If, like, you know, GoldenEye Remastered comes out and you can do all that. Granted, most of the game was designed around you being able to kind of fight on a 2D plane. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe it would just be more enjoyable. I don't know. I'd be curious to see. I think it would be more enjoyable. I think it's also possible that in our in our now advanced age, we would find the Natalia issue even worse than it previously was. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would not be <laughs> Double O agent trying to keep her alive is... Yeah. Cons- she was basically like... I remember I read online one time, it's like, the GoldenEye Escort Missions is basically like having a toddler. Yes. Like, literally... or get stuck actually, behind doors. It was more like... It, or actually, I think it was the inverse. My toddler is, like, trying to escort Natalia in Golden <laughs> and Yes. it's like, oh, that is probably way too true. Right, yeah. Yeah, pretty <laughs> terrible. Especially, it gets compounded with the unlimited enemies issue, where, yeah. you know, you can't just try to clear them all out and then move through it. <laughs> they right. keep coming. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little brutal. I think one of the one of the fun ones to touch on from that list is DDR. Yeah, uh, just because I, for one, never played a whole lot of Dance Dance Revolution. I did. And didn't love it, but it's kind of impossible to ignore both how many people did love it and how groundbreaking it was in terms of, of a game. Yeah, I mean, it really, because now you've got all, like, you know, your Just Dances, but it even goes beyond that. It kind of set the stage for any game that wasn't sitting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you've got, like, the Wii, which basically blew up in popularity because it emphasized kind of standing up and moving around. So uh, more casual gamers really, really got into that. And uh, DDR was kind of the first breakout hit of that type of game. And I I mean, I played it to death. I got into it back in high school uh, when I was in marching band. I went to, you know, this one time in band camp. (laughs) And, uh, well, this one time in band camp, Someone brought their DDR game to Bandcamp, and, you know, after we go and do all our drills, whatever, we eat, and we're kind of left to our own devices for the night, uh, we would just set up in the auditorium and play a bunch of DDR, and I was like, oh my god, this is a ton of fun. So I ended up going and buying it a few weeks later. It was 
it was a blast. Like, you know, it, you just kind of go and it's also freaking fantastic exercise. If I wasn't on the top floor <laughs> of my apartment right now, I'd consider getting it again because I remember doing it and actually just having fun doing it. And never mind the fact that I'm sweating bullets at this right. point going through trying to, you know, finish Max 300 or whatever, which mm-hmm. is like this, just one of the more impossible songs to finish. You're going and like, there's literally portions of the song where you're stepping 10 times in a second. If you put that in your head, that's ludicrous. But me not paying attention to the fact that this is an insane amount of effort is just having fun playing the game. Right. And so here I am just going and stamping my feet like crazy trying to beat this song. Yeah, I never thought about that, but that game must have been a nightmare for anyone living downstairs from people. Oh, yeah. No, I <laughs> I think I played it a little bit when I was on the bottom floor once after college. Mm-hmm. But other than that... Like, yeah, living underneath someone, both with the music going loud and the and the stopping, that would have been pretty work. brutal. <laughs> yeah, just does not work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that one was definitely mm-hmm. groundbreaking. Zelda, you know, Ocarina of Time came out in 98, and I, I think that you see the fingerprints of that game over just about any open world exploration. It's not open world, but any sort of yeah, adventure game. Right. Any sort of adventure game yeah. is like that. Um, you see it today, you know, obviously through some of the other Zelda games, even Shadow of Mordor or Shadow of War, which I'm playing now, mm-hmm. is similar concepts. Yeah, no, and again, it was kind of the first, well, not the first, but it was one of the first mass hits when it came to like a 3D adventure game of that style mm-hmm. uh just and you know familiar ip but really for a lot of people though it was it was their introduction or introduction to the zelda franchise mm-hmm. absolutely and, yeah, i had never played one before before that yeah. one came out and like for, so that is zelda for most people and it's just like in it's got kind of a fun cast of characters a neat world and just really really tight gameplay great puzzles i mean it just there's some people that say it's the best game ever. I wouldn't go that far, but it's it's really, really good. Yeah, and I can remember it being one of the first games that I really got into the the sort of hidden achievements mm-hmm. in addition to the game itself. Yeah. Uh, partly, you know, we were, what, 10 years old in 98, and I hadn't played that many video games in general. I had a Sega Genesis before I moved to Michigan, so I had played some of those games, but never really gotten deeply into them. And then moving to Michigan, played Final Fantasy VII, and and with Ocarina of Time, that was the first one. You know, when someone explains to you, oh, well, if you catch the the twenty pound fish in the lake, then you get this new item that otherwise mm-hmm. is inaccessible. I, I, you know, wait, what? There's this whole not critical to the game thing that you can be doing, and and yeah. you know, trying to to reach the the completion phase of the game rather than just just beating it, right? And, uh, and I just never read into that before. So that was, you know, my first introduction to that and something that now is kind of core to whenever you play a game now. Like, you go, once you've kind of been introduced to that, I mean, it doesn't stick with everybody. Some people just want to finish the game. But, like, for you and I, many games we can basically get along on side dishes and don't even need to do the main quest. Absolutely. Like, I think, like, one of those examples would be, like, Morrowind, where I think that's a game most of us have played I think I'm literally the only one that has beaten it because at one point in time, I just sat down and said, you know what, today I'm going to tunnel vision, just beat the damn game. Because <laughs> like every time I go to a new area, I go, ooh, what's up? I'm going to go do all these things over here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 50 hours later, I don't even know what main quest mission I'm on and I don't care. Uh, so no, I live like, yeah, like, like I know you did. I think you played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Matic played it. Like I, Everyone else played it. No one's beaten it. No, no. A very, you know, 
oh, I can see where the where the big bad is that I need to head for. But there's also this cave right over here that I haven't been right. in yet. <laughs> I'll just go there first. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously Oblivion and Skyrim continued that tradition. Although more people I know have beaten Skyrim, though. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's just this, the open world concept in many ways got popularized by Zelda. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to argue the list. I, I saw a couple more articles online about different years just, you know, comparing, and I'll be interested to dig into those. But at least at first glance, I would say it's worth it for anyone who enjoys gaming to go and check out the list and just run through it because yeah, there are definitely. a lot of quality titles on there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever their future write-ups are. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, so next topic. the One of the other interesting things I came across today uh, was the, the trailer for the new Venom movie. Very excited. Yes, I am as well, partly just because it's another rated R superhero movie, so this will be the third after Deadpool and Deadpool 2, I believe. Right, and so and there's so far, well, Deadpool 2, all, we, 2 we don't know yet, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's a 100% success rate, so they should keep doing it. Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's, it's undefeated. So. I, I think that's uh, that's in controversial math. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let's touch on it real quick. I thought the... I think the trailer looks very good. It looks considerably different, I would say, which makes sense, given that Venom is... I believe just purely a bad guy, yeah, or at least a, a chaotic kind of an antihero yeah. for sure, right? Um, yeah, it falls under the probably chaotic neutral to chaotic evil side of the D and D spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm just excited for it also because it, it is going to be yeah, kind of a little grim dark. But I like watching Tom Hardy in the trailer. I do think he does a good job of kind of playing like being the yin and the yang of the Venom. Like he, he sold me on the idea that, you know, he'd be kind of this unwilling host, mm-hmm. uh, but they would kind of in classic anti-hero sense go and probably do good ish things, but also do some bad things along the way. So I think it'll be a nice, it'll do a nice job of blurring the lines between good and evil, which is kind of what Venom is all about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I thought that the, the review, the first reveal of the sort of Venom, Venom suit, for for lack of a better word, was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they. Yeah, you know, I thought the, the Venom suit was pretty impressive. You get the the teeth in particular, as well as the extremely creepy tongue. I mean, it almost gives off horror movie vibes, which is an interesting turn. For yeah, and and given that I know that it's a rated R movie, like the scene I think is at the end of the trailer where it looks like Venom's about to bite the dude's head off. Like I was actually like a little bit uncomfortable watching that, which is kind of what you want though. Right. It's just a nice departure from the usual fairly clean cut kind of superhero formula that we've got all gotten used to. Right. And the, the sword wounds that don't leave blood, the, the, yeah, all mm-hmm. those, all those sort of items that, that apparently will not be <laughs> occurring again in this one. Mm-hmm. And, but also on the topic of, uh, superhero movies that are rated R, Deadpool 2, Deadpool 2 that we mentioned earlier, um, did you see the, poster that was released lately for it? I don't believe so, no. I'm going to pull up here. We're going to get a, a live reaction Oh, excellent! Uh, here. It's on the left. Oh but, my god. Yeah. So I'm going to post this in the you know the description below, but it is... It's glorious. Absolutely glorious. I, I need this in an actual poster form right now. <laughs> it is... It's, I'm just going to say it involves Deadpool, Unicorns, Rainbows and the rest of the X Force as babies. Yes, just leave it at that. If you haven't seen it, uh, go look at the description below. But like uh, the with as serious as Venom is, I am still really excited about Deadpool Tool and just like the complete opposite. Still rated R, 
but just complete silliness and, mm-hmm. and just absolutely looking forward to that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, first reaction would recommend as poster or possibly even tattoo. Tattoo. Yeah. Tattoo. Either there's no wrong choice here. And I think you know the the last item that that I found recently was the description of a new ABC competitive dating show, which obviously a niche that we are already familiar with. Very very familiar. Uh, this one is called The Proposal. It does not feature Chris Harrison, which is sad just in terms of I won't be able to make more jokes about him probably making the most money per minute of work of, of anyone in the country. Possible. Awesome. You know, that's, that's a really good setup he has there, mm-hmm. just popping in mostly to ask innocuous questions. And I really, if I had a long-term goal in life, it would be to have his gig. Oh, yeah. That's a great one to have. Fantastic travel perks. You know, maybe two minutes of showtime per per week that you actually have to chime in. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to wear a nice suit, which is always good. Yep, yeah, it's great. Yeah, you know they're paying for that wardrobe oh, yeah, too. He doesn't have to pay for any of that, yeah, no doubt. And I'm sure that you know, I don't know if he's married or, or or what, but I'm sure that she would enjoy the travel as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a pretty good perk. But he is not in the new the new television show called The Proposal. The proposal um, is from the same producers. And it's going to be a pageant-style competition pitting a group of men or a group of women against one another. They, they will be w- trying to win the affection of a mystery suitor who no one, has, no one sees, no one knows who they are, none of this until the very end of the episode. They'll reveal who this person is that they are competing for. So are they going to, like, give... A description of this person, or is like, are the events going to be themed towards what this person likes to do? Like, do they have they given us any more details than that, or are they literally just competing and just hoping for the best? I think that's the case. I think they are simply putting these people through a competition. Again, they described as pageant style, and there is they have announced that there is a beachway around. So I'm thinking more like Miss Congeniality. You know, maybe they have a beach way around. I'm crossing my fingers and praying that they have some sort of... Talent show? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, give me a talent show. <laughs> give me, maybe not necessarily trivia, but, you know, when they ask those questions. And the answers would be just classic uh, if, if we're dealing with the same pool of people as we do for The Bachelor. So I'm really excited about the, the possibilities. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be... I mean, because it's definitely going to be different, because you're not going to get as much continuity. You're not going to mm-hmm. get as much... You know, you're not going to build the personalities the way you do with The Bachelor, but I feel like it has, per minute of screen time, way more potential to be just a complete train wreck. Yes, yes. And, and key key point, they are one-hour-long episodes, which mm. I am extremely happy Yes, happy that, is, that is very merciful. Hopefully only airing once a week for you, too. Yes, that would be lovely. Yeah, for those who, who don't watch The Bachelor, you know, whether you read the recaps or not, they are two hours per episode and often two episodes per week, which is... That's brutal. For a show that has maybe 45 minutes of content over four hours that could actually be progressing things, mm-hmm. that's a lot of time that you've got you to gotta sit through. Yes. So yeah, having it be a one-hour episode is extremely exciting. And yeah, we'll be, we'll be recapping it. We'll potentially be potting about it if I can find someone else willing to spend their evenings watching a show that is... <laughs> Like this, it's a show. Yep, it's a show. <laughs> watching a show. But I'm I'm extremely excited about probably a deep deep well of content that I can come up yeah. with based on this this new show. And and it, for those of you that are concerned, yes, there will be a drinking game. Yes, yes, it will be glorious. Yes, and it's highly likely I'll be playing. Now, if they would ever release one of these shows 
and on Saturday night. I mean, oh god, this would be. There's probably there's probably a good reason they don't do that. Probably. And it's probably that. <laughs> it could be because I would be playing the drinking game while I was recapping. Would be playing if this was a Saturday night game. Yeah, we we might even rewatch the episode. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't go that far. Yeah, it's possible. It's, it's possible. possible. You never after, know. After playing the drinking game, it might be a good idea. <laughs> yes, exactly. And if it's only an hour long, I could that's actually just rewatch it. Maybe. Yeah. So that'd be fantastic. Um, that's going to start sometime this summer, so we'll definitely be be doing some write ups of that, and that'll that'll fit nicely in there with the same as the uh, the bachelor content we already have. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, I think that's about all I had this week. Is there anything uh, else that you want to touch on? Not really. Excellent. I think this was a, a good inaugural episode. Definitely, definitely. I'm excited to uh, for some of our cross articles going across. Uh, I know that we'll be doing some some more video game conversations mm-hmm. and, and writing as well. So yeah, just uh, stay tuned. We'll have some more more on both sites, and uh, we'll be back with the podcast again in about a month. All right, later, everyone.